Hi, this is Mike Oppenheim, and you are listening to Coffin Talk, interviews with the living, a weekly podcast that explores how our views on death affect the way we live our life. And this week, coming to us from a local Phoenix, Arizona, is Jason Chacon. And uh, Jason is a pretty interesting guy. Uh, we don't know a whole lot about his personal life, but we do know that he spent two and a half years working with the funeral industry. Most of that time was spent working as a cremationist, including witness cremations for families and assisting with embalmings. Jason, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hey, man, I'm doing pretty okay. How are you? Awesome. Very good. Thanks for asking. Can you tell us how old you are? And uh, what generation you consider yourself a member of, if any at all? Absolutely, man. So I'm actually 34. And uh, generation, um, you know, really, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head, but I'm kind of more of a, you know, kind of, I don't know, maybe uh, maybe be your own generation kind of a person, to be honest. Very nice. I like that. Before we get into the funeral industry thing, um, when did you uh, become a funeral, like start working there? Like what year? So basically, I started, I started studying mortuary science. Um, at and I took the program of 2019 to 2020. Um, in that time, um, it was required that you originally it was required that you were to go to several different funeral homes and assist with embalmings throughout the valley. Technically, started working with that in you know 2019 roughly. Um, but when I actually got the job, you know, as a, as a profession, I, I, I worked from August of 2020 until about October of 2021. Okay, wow. And uh, so leading up to all that. You were like in your 20s. What did you do for a career before all that? Uh, so most of my time, man, actually, it's funny. Um, before working with death care, I actually worked more with health care. I worked at a hospital for about eight and a half years. Well, it's kind of funny. I, I started off in housekeeping and then I became a patient transporter, which was assisting in, you know, actually like getting the patients to their surgeries, x-rays, you know, anything with them. And I know what's kind of funny is how that's kind of how what started with um. That's kind of what got me fired up with wanting to get in the funeral industry. One of our jobs was when somebody when somebody's deceased in the hospital, our job was to get them from, you know, their room or wherever they were at to the morgue of the hospital. And that's kind of how this started, really. Wow. So you just kind of like that or like, tell me more, please. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, cause I remember, I think it was my second day in transport, I had to assist with a morgue run. And, you know, I remember when I, w- I would see them doing it when I was in housekeeping, I'm like, man, how does that, you know? How does that affect them? You know, because I mean, you know, you're I hadn't really been per se exposed to death much prior to that. And it was weird. I did. I remember my second day on the job. I think my first run was actually a morgue run. And, you know, I just, you know, like it didn't phase me at all. It was just kind of like, you know, hmm, this this really just, you know, as morbid as it may sound, I'm like, this isn't too bad. You know, and I remember the next day, one of the um, the guy that was training me, he was even like, I'll probably have you sit this one out. I don't want you to get uncomfortable. And I'm like, dude, I just did one yesterday. And by all means, man, let's do it. You know, <laughs> that's cool. That's really cool. I, I obviously I host a show called Coffin Talk. So to me, death is like just fascinating and it always has been. And so I think it's interesting that like. I don't remember my first moment with death. I mean, I definitely remember the first dead body I saw and all that, but, but uh, it's more just interesting to hear your take on like how, once you know you're okay with it, this whole like world kind of opens up. So I am curious about that world. Um, with, like when you say it doesn't affect you, what do you think about a dead body? Like, could you explain to people? Cause there are a lot of people who have never seen a real dead body. Like, can you explain to people your perception of how you can tell it's dead? Hey everyone, if you're a fan of the show, please head over to MikeyOp.com and click the subscribe button. It's the best way to support us, and it's free. That's M-I-K-E-Y-O-P-P dot com. Thanks. 
kind of an interesting story about that. Um, I had an incident where I had to, when I was still, I think I was still in housekeeping and I, they sent me to clean a room, but we did not realize that there was a decedent in there still. So I went in there and I started cleaning the room and there was somebody laying in, I was cleaning because it was one of those two person bedrooms. So I started cleaning bedroom one because the person in there got transferred and most likely they got transferred because patient two was deceased. But see, I didn't know this, but it was weird. I just got this weird feeling. I mean, the patient was lying there. They had, they had, um, you know, they were covered up, but something just felt off. And I'm like, I wonder if this person's dead. So I come out and so I come out to the, um, nurse's station and I'm kind of like can I ask what's going on in that room and they were like uh have they taken the body out yet <laughs> okay I was right <laughs> but no it was weird it's kind of but I mean it's just weird I mean sometimes you kind of just get that feeling it's like once you've been around it once it's almost like it becomes like a sense if that makes any sense yeah no no and that's what I was trying to ask about because um I don't have that sense but I'm just trying to collect all of these things because I like having get you know we have rabbis we have uh priests we have like people of all different faiths um and the whole purpose is that i'm trying to like find this intersection of like what we think happens after you die with how we even just view death now and how it affects everything so this is like a perfect moment for me on the show this is exactly like what i want to hear about so um what do you think happens to to people when they die you know what man that is a um <laughs> That's a very good question. I mean, it's kind of like you were saying, you know, like I'm not necessarily a religious person per se. I guess I would consider myself maybe more um, empathetic or spiritual, to be honest. Basically, um, so sometimes you just kind of get that feeling like, especially working at a funeral home. Um, there, there have been times when I've, you know, I would like, for example, I was in the funeral home and I, it was just me in there, the whole funeral home. And sometimes you just kind of get that sensation like, you're being watched and um yeah there's been some one thing one thing they tell you about the funeral industry if, if you're looking to get in they say they ask you do you believe in the paranormal because you will wow and um you know it's kind of funny i've heard other takes on it they you know you know basically one of the beliefs is you know a funeral home if it were to be haunted more likely it's not going to be haunted by the decedents that have been transferred there but more likely um let's say a prior funeral director because the fact a, a vast amount of these funeral homes at least in the phoenix area they're they're family owned and operated you know the last funeral home i worked at started in like the 1800s and it's been family operated ever since so i think it could just be possible like maybe somebody you know maybe they don't realize they're dead or they, they don't think it's their time or you know maybe they're not ready to move on so maybe you know and if this if this industry is all they know, maybe they're not ready to go. So so it's kind of like, okay, how long can I can I hold this out? So that energy, you know, it's possible that energy just lingers. Um, you know, I'm like you're saying, you know, there's all these different religious beliefs. You know, maybe they're ready to move on. Maybe they do move on to something else. And so, really, man, it's it's kind of hard for me to answer that. You know, you're saying there's so many different belief systems out there, but um, yeah, I mean. I'm just, I guess, to each its own, you know? Yeah, and I'm not going to make you tell what your own is, but I am curious, has being around death this much changed the way you treat people who are alive? Kind of knowing yes. I mean, so I'll be honest with you, man. I'm, I'm, actually, I'm actually very introverted. Um, you know, I live, I live by myself. Um, even like, you know, I was homeschooled growing up, and the majority of my, you know, when I got in the Mercury program, I had to go in person. 
But um, when I got my prereqs done, most of those I just did at, at home online. So the one thing, and you know, this might sound bad, but I think the one thing that um, when I started in patient transport, I was kind of iffy because I knew how much communication with, with people there was going to be in there. And I'm like, I don't know that I can do that. But when I started doing, when I started doing the morgue runs, you know, I'm going to be honest, you know, the, you don't have, you know, basically it's a decedent, you know, you don't have to worry about, you know, hurting them in a transport or anything. I mean, the fact is, you know, the, the, the reality is they've already passed. And to be honest, that was one thing that kind of struck my mind of like, you know, Hey, this might, you know, might <clears throat> be a good field for me. And at the same time, but when you're asking how does you treat the living, well, I mean, yeah, that is, um, it's kind of mix and match, but yeah, it does because you got to keep in mind with the decedent becomes, you know, a grieving family. And, you know, for the, for, for the vast majority of it, I, I, per, I per se did not have to deal with many grieving families. You know, I helped with a few witness cremations, but um, the uh, majority of that is handled by the funeral director. Uh, what is a witness cremation? Um, so that's basically like, let's say um, somebody basically um, the, <clears throat> for the majority of it during a cremation, um, they're ready to go. You know, we do what we need to do. And then, you know, we get them going. Now, sometimes it's basically basically it's kind of like a, a funeral in the crematory. The, basically, uh, the family, sometimes friends, they want to come and they want to see us place the individual and sometimes even help out placing the individual in the retort. Wow. And are they like made up and visible or are they in a bag? No, actually, they're typically they're visible. Wow. What we'll do is what we would do is we would, you know, sometimes they would come right from the funeral home and they would still be, you know, they would be embalmed and everything and still be in their clothes. So we basically would would bring the family in there and just say, hey, you take you take the time you need and when you're ready, we'll get them going. So they would see them. We would place the lid on the box and then uh, we would get them going. And sometimes the family, even if they wanted to push the button to start it. We let them push the button. That's very cool. My wife listens to all these, and I'm going to tell her that I'm demanding she help uh, shove my body into the cremator. That is so cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and actually, while we're talking shop, I know what embalming is from watching that show Six Feet Under like 100 times. So that's the only thing I know about it. But I'm sure it's fake in Hollywood and all that. So can you just like walk me through exactly what is embalming, including the science of it, like the purpose of it and how you do it and what it is? Oh, yeah, definitely, man. Um, so again, you know, so that was one thing I did more so when I was actually in school, not so much when I was with um, the company. But basically what we do is... um. We get them, and sometimes things like rear mortis set in, which can which basically that means their body's locking up, and it's going to be kind of hard to transfer, you know, the embalming fluid. So typically, what it start what we would start off by doing is we kind of pour some warm water on them and kind of just like soften them up, get them clean, and then depending on like you know, is this a big person? Is this a little person? That kind of just depicts how one would make the solution. So, and like some of these embalmers, man, you can tell they've been doing this a long time and they can just look at them and be like, okay, we're going to throw in a bottle of this, a bottle of that. And I'm like, whoa. So, um, but um, yeah. So then basically what we do from there is um, we actually have to dig up one, sometimes more arteries, depending. Typically we would have to cut open the leg and dig up the uh, femoral artery. And typically from there, if there was any kind of like, well, typically from there, that would that would basically be enough to transfer the, the embalming fluid and we would inject the, the, the artery with the needle which would transfer the embalming fluid the formaldehyde and uh, just go from there and what's that doing what's the formaldehyde doing scientifically it's basically keeping the body preserved okay 
Wow. Wow. Yeah. So it's in the body, keeping it externally preserved. Correct. And for how long? And that's one thing they tell you, man, is you actually, they can't, like, no one can really scientifically prove, like, exactly how long. I mean, long enough to get them to the funeral. And then um, after that, I mean, who knows? <laughs> wow. So they, uh, oh my gosh. I mean, I have so many, so many questions about this, but I'm wondering if anyone in my audience even cares. Yeah. I mean, I have so many like nuanced questions about this. Okay. So that you've injected the embalming fluid. Now on the show I watched, they like drained blood out. Is that true? Or is that like Hollywood? Or is there sometimes you do that? Uh, we do do that. Um, I mean, I'm sure, I mean, I, I, I per se haven't seen much of six feet under or anything. I mean, I'm sure some of that stuff is, 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 is probably exaggerated, but we do, um, basically what we do is we take this, um, uh, well, it's not really a needle, but it's, um, it's basically, we inject them and we kind of just like drain any excess fluids that are kind of lingering around. Do you do that before the formaldehyde or after? To my knowledge, I think we did it like like midway through the embalming. But there are situations, too, where sometimes somebody is post-autopsy, and basically they're cut open, and and be brutally honest, basically their organs have been removed. And then our job from there is, yeah, we would typically have to dig up each artery in this situation. We have to dig up each artery, arms and legs. And then, yeah, about halfway through, we would drain them from inside, and then we would um, fill them with a solution that would actually basically soak up any excess fluids. All right, cool. And since you don't seem to mind my questioning, and I'm so thankful, Jason, you're, I mean, first of all, you're brilliant. And second of all, you're just, like I said, you're very kind and patient. If you don't mind, one last question on this kind of nitty gritty stuff. What is the most memorable body you ever saw and why? (sighs) (laughs) Wow. Um, I'm going to sum that up. Uh, I guess like, to be honest, man, this probably goes, I would probably have to say this goes back to when, um, this has to go back to when I was in um, mortuary school. It was my second embalming, and it was actually a young girl. I think she was in her twenties. Now I can't remember. I can't remember the cause of death, but I remember now she was a situation where I was talking about post autopsy. So I remember, and I think this was my second embalming. I walked in there, and at first, like seriously, I was kind of just like, "Wow, you know." I mean, you, ne- you I mean, like I said, I'd, I'd been around death before, but to see someone that, you know, I don't want to say mutilated, but you know, in that in that state, I was just like, I was a little bit in shock, to be honest. Wow. And you know, like we were talking about, um, yeah, I could be wrong, but something just felt off. Not really bad in that embalming, but something was just odd about it. Like we were talking about paranormal earlier. Something about this embalming, I can't explain why, but even just like looking in this girl's eyes, something about it stood out with me. And that one lingered for a few days. And actually, man, it's been about three years. And to this day, I still, I will never forget that. (laughs) Wow, dude. Oh my God. I mean, I feel like, I feel apprehensive like just from hearing you describe that like like it's palpable through the phone line that like how much that haunts you um and thank you thank you for putting yourself out there like that um and so so uh, do the eyes of a dead person convey anything to you or in that case was it like rare and special that they did so something about eyes have always kind of conveyed to me to be honest like um it's i mean it's kind of hard to explain but really in this situation um we had put, well, let me put it this way. Um, one thing that stood out to me was, um, and again, you know, maybe this, maybe I'm just overreacting, but I remember um, one thing we do is we put these eye caps in them, which keep their eyes closed. And these are pretty sturdy. They basically have like little, like basically little spikes that keep, you know, they, they keep them closed and they do a good job. But at one point I, I hear the director go, ah, keep your eyes closed. 
he had put the eye caps in and her eyes popped wide open and her head was tilted towards me. Oh, wow. And just something about her, about that, this situation, man, like I said, I mean, it's hard to explain, but yeah, it was a little intense. But yeah, that's like I was saying, I'll never forget that one. Yeah. And when you were uh, young, were you affected by death in any way that you remember? Not really. I mean, I was never really exposed to death much when I was young, to be honest. I mean, you know, I had several relatives pass. Um, I lost a couple friends in the past, but, um, you know, really, I mean, other than that, you know, I mean, I didn't really attend a whole lot of funerals until I got, you know, a little bit closer to my teens. But, you know, aside from that, man, not not really. Interesting. Yeah. There doesn't have to be a reason or a rhyme or a trace to it, but I'm always curious to see if there is one. Um, and so kind of on that same note, you said you used to work and you were working up until, uh, I believe you said October of 2021. So why'd you leave? So basically what it came down to, man, it was time to move on, mainly because when we were in the mortuary program, that was when the pandemic hit. And during our spring break turned into, hey, we're going to extend your break to, hey, sorry, you guys can't come back. Oh, uh, okay. And we're like, what? You know, I mean, because we had so much more hands-on stuff to do. And this is stuff that you can't do online. Everything got taken away. And, um, you know, we, we didn't, you know, our graduation and everything, the embalming factor. Yeah. Wow. So um, basically what it came down to was um, we, were, we had no choice. We finished online. And then over the summer, I was just kind of like, you know, I, I just really wanted to get my foot in the door and just, you know, keep this momentum going, you know. So I was just passing out my resume left and right. I got this job with the funeral home and um, kind of went from there. So I know I think I had mentioned this to you um, when we had, had talked a few weeks ago. So I actually sing and play guitar in a local death metal band. So and actually the last show we played was a festival about a month before the, before the pandemic hit. And then after that, you know, all the concert, all the concerts got canceled. Um, we couldn't. Um, we couldn't even go to what we couldn't even rehearse, man, because the studios wouldn't let wouldn't let couldn't let people in to rehearse. So, you know, I figured, you know, I'm going to take this downtime and, you know, just keep pursuing what I can in the funeral industry and go from there. So I got this job. And then basically what happened was, you know, things started opening up again and we started um, getting we started uh, getting band practice back going. And it was it was typically typically we would. Our practice time it was it was always when by the time i was off thing is sometimes you get um like in this job you're gonna be there later than you need to certain times but i also actually recently it's about a year ago i started training at a, a dance center out here in mesa i had found them back in 2019 and i wanted to start taking classes and it's been really good what it came down to was um things like band rehearsal um the studio i'm at now um a lot of this, you know, you have to not only book, but pay for in advance. You know, I wanted a day job in the funeral industry, but I want to pursue these other things too. And basically where I was working at, they were having issues with that. It was kind of like, what if, what if, but what it came down to is they were kind of starting to imply like, Hey, with this, you know, if you want to stay here, you're probably not going to be able to do those things. And that's why I decided it's time to move on. So I just pursued this new job and just, I mean, I don't know that I want, that I want to say I'm completely done with the industry. I did, I, I am keeping my uh, cremation license active. But as of right now, man, it was just time to throw in a towel and, you know, move on with my life. Yeah, dude, right on. And so actually, real quick, just because I do want to ask about the death metal stuff. Um, for for people listening who are scared of the word metal when it comes to music, let alone death metal, what would be like your sell on death metal? I think a lot of that had to do with, because um, I, I do know there's a band called Death. And I think that name term death metal originated with them. I could be wrong. But I mean, like, you know, we're more death metal, uh, black metal, you know, more, we had a lot with a lot of black metal influence i've had people ask me what would you consider black metal and i'm kind of like really the best way to put it is because you know there's so many genres of metal now it's not just metal i get if you listen to like you know what the radio stations you know like on a 
on a local station would consider metal and what you would listen to what someone called death metal or black metal, you're going to hear a difference. You know, you're going to hear things like it's going to sound a lot more brutal. And some people might be scared of it. You know, the screen, I've heard, you know, I've heard people say like, Hey, the screaming bothers me, you know, the blast beats bother me. And I get it, you know, it's not for everybody, but yeah, I mean, when it comes to like death metal, black metal, it's just a lot, just a little more intense to say. No, that's cool. That's a great answer. And I love just to hear people be passionate about their thing. And I think, you know, you got to follow your passions and I'm, I'm really happy for you, Jason, that you made the decisions you did. And I'm glad you explained that because it's, uh, it's hard like you feel like you're quitting something and all that and you're not quitting you kept your license and all that but um before we let you go i always like to have my guests just kind of say their philosophy out loud for my audience so uh what is your like general philosophy of how to live your life uh one way i can put it is like you know i mean you've got all these paths laid out for you but just because you know just because something's there someone else has done it you know maybe you've gotten influence but that doesn't mean it's going to be the path for you you know maybe you better you know maybe it is or you know maybe you know you just need to be lost for a while, you know, find yourself, make your own path. That's a great answer. Well, Jason Jacon, thank you so much for coming on our show. There will be uh, plugs and links in the uh, bio. So if you want to check out his music and stuff, that'll be easily accessible through the bio. And uh, again, thank you for coming on and helping us put another nail in the coffin. You were uh, an extraordinary guest and you're prolific and very good at explaining the science and like everything behind all the amazing things you've learned how to do. Thanks a lot. We wish you great luck in the future. And to our audience listening at home, of course, the best way to help the show is to head over to MikeyOp.com and click the subscribe button for the free package where you get the podcast announcement and a little brief letter every week once a week for free so thank you again to everyone listening and uh, as always my name is mike oppenheim and we will see you soon walking alone walking alone when I hear this song and I walk into you and you see that I